Hello, Monetization Nation. Luke Hale is a managing video producer at one of the largest, most trusted, and most admired companies in the world. But I'm not allowed to say the name of that company on this show because Luke is not authorized to speak for that company in the media. Luke also created and runs Masters of Engagement, which provides video strategy, consulting, and education. Luke says there is one huge pitfall related to video marketing and corporate storytelling that almost every marketer falls into. If we can avoid this one pitfall, we're going to make it further than 90% of our competitors. And Luke will tell us more about this pitfall and how to avoid it after this intro. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. The easiest thing to tell you is that there is a pitfall that almost everyone falls into, especially when it comes to marketing and corporate storytelling. And if you can avoid this one pitfall, you're going to make it further than 90% of your competitors or the other people out there, and you're going to be able to get way more attention. And not just attention, but also follow through in the story. So as soon as someone pushes play, what you really have is kind of an engagement loop, right? If there's a thumbnail or something and I want to figure out what goes on in this video, I'm going to push play. So something made me make the decision to push play. And so what I've done is I've opened up in my mind an engagement loop, which just like when Mario goes and starts the first level of Super Mario Brothers or any Mario game out there, right? The first thing he learns is that Bowser has taken the princess. So there's one engagement loop that I got to complete now if I'm playing that game. And it's the same thing when someone clicks to watch your video. They've opened an engagement loop for some reason and they're there to close it. Um, then there's also other engagement loops within Super Mario Brothers, right? So I also have to get to the flag at the end of each level and raise it up the pole before eventually I can get the princess back. So there's another engagement loop. Uh, within storytelling, usually we use conflict as an engagement loop. So when I come into your video, I need to hear about the conflict. And that's what 90% of corporate storytellers avoid completely. They say, I want to represent my brand in the most positive way possible. We're not going to talk about conflict. Yeah. But without conflict, you don't have a story. So you've really got to think about what is the shared enemy of my audience? And that's the conflict. And then how can I show someone overcoming that challenge and make them the hero so that I can be the, uh, you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi in this story and, and be the mentor and guide them through. Um, and so conflict is critical for storytelling. If you don't have conflict, you really don't have a story. And then I think about these engagement loops, right? Because if I see something interesting on the thumbnail and I come in and I see that you've lied to me or you resolve that conflict immediately, then there's no reason for me to continue to expose myself to your ideas in this piece of media because that engagement loop is already closed. So you've got to be thinking about as you put your plot together, how do you open engagement loops? And you've got to reward the audience by closing those loops. But if you close a loop and you haven't opened another loop, then there's no reason for them to continue. So that's another thing that I love to do as soon as I get access to anyone's engagement level analytics where you watch a video and you see where the audience abandons is I want to watch that video and make sure that there's engagement loops. And sure enough, if you close an engagement loop and you haven't opened another one, that's where you see the audience just abandon a message. What, what stories or secrets could you share with us about effective storytelling in video? It's the three act structure. You focus on conflict. Oftentimes in marketing, corporate storytelling, again, 
you're selling a server, people want to give all the specs of the server and why it's fast, and, and you know, your audience really doesn't care. They want to know about the problems you're going to solve for them. And so taking that opportunity to use the first two-thirds of your, of your timeline to focus on that conflict and people trying to overcome it really shows your audience that you're aligned with the problems that they're battling against. And then you can show the resolution and how the product, you know, solves the problem. But most people will lead with that. And that's just an engagement nightmare, right? That's how you lose an audience. So that's what I think of, but I will say, um, I just did an extensive interview series with Mark Rober, who does a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Um, you know, he makes glitter bombs and squirrel obstacle courses and stuff. And he uses a different form of uh, storytelling and engagement. He calls it Jenga storytelling. So He's got a thumbnail, which is the hook, right? Like watch me create a, a pool full of jello or the world's biggest elephant toothpaste, squirrel, ninja warrior. And then when people click in, he immediately gives them some of that resolution and says, hey, look, I actually did this. This is actually what's at the end of this video, but let me fill in the story between here and there. And so then he takes you on a journey. He takes you back in time and let me show you how we got to that resolution. So in my mind, you know, he's given the, he's given the end away early, but uh, he has incredible success with that, what they call Jenga storytelling. Um, and then again, in e-commerce, um, I've been talking to folks like J.R. Timothy, who works for Chamber Media, who creates some incredible viral ads. And they really go through a very quick storytelling cycle where it's, uh, again, an engagement loop or a piece of conflict in resolution that's all focused on the product that you need to buy, but they just do it repeatedly throughout the piece. And then they sprinkle in humor as an engagement hook throughout to keep people progressing through it. But really, if you watch the first five, six seconds, you kind of know the whole video, and then you're gonna see that kind of repeat, but with different jokes and different humor throughout. So again, you just need to have a strategy. If you just start filming and saying something, you're, you're not, telling a story necessarily you have to tell a story on purpose so again i just i write it down i map it out what does the plot look like what's the hook what's the conflict what's the resolution and having the courage to put the keep the conflict in there because so you, can't, you can't have a heroic figure like luke skywalker if you don't have darth vader right it's so tricky i have lost some big deals in my career by leading with conflict too early as a video producer i sit down with a brand and we start talking about what they want to do and i'm like okay what's the conflict in the story well they don't always call back if they think that what you want to do is focus on conflict right but you what you really need to do is understand their business understand what their audience needs help with and and uh, set their brand up for success as kind of the mentor not the hero, but the mentor. And that's always really challenging too. Most people that want to make a video, they want to put their brand as the hero. And that's just not where it belongs. You got to make your customer the hero. You're the mentor, like you said, the Obi-Wan Kenobi, but your customer has to be Luke Skywalker. Yeah, when you walk out of the theater, and you've just seen Spider-Man, like you want to swing from the buildings, right? Like you're wondering where your web shooters are. And that's because, you know, when you watch any story, you have empathy for the hero. And if I were to watch a story from your brand, I don't want to have empathy for your brand because you don't want your audience to go and create the same product or service you're selling. You want to create more customers. So you need to elevate a customer to that status of hero and show how they've overcome your common conflict, right? What are, what are you and your customer both battling, be it a lack of productivity or a lack of monetization? 
and then show how your customer overcame that by using you as a mentor. And then all of a sudden, you get to trigger that empathy in the audience that you can get to watch that video. So now people start making the same mental transition in their own mind. And uh, they start transforming along with the hero. And the hero doesn't transform at the beginning of the video, right? They're going through this conflict, through this process uh, of the hero's journey and eventually making that transition. And surprise, surprise, when they make that transition, now your audience wants to make that transition. So, uh, you know, that's a format that I think works especially well in very, with very human themes, right? Be it courage or um, battling a, a shared evil. Um, but all of this is only possible if you really understand the why at the core of your brand and what you're helping people to do. If it's too product centric and there is no theme, it's just going to be pretty difficult to get any kind of emotional resonance out of, out of an audience. So one of the things that is just so complicated about video is that it is different things to different people. And fundamentally video is the ability to take one image and add an image after it and, you know, maybe accompany it with audio, but you string all of those pictures together and you've got this moving image and that's what video is. Uh, and so fundamentally it's a technology, not a, not really a communication strategy, but then you start wrapping communication strategy around it and you can do some really cool things. So it's very interesting in the video world because you find people with expertise. So you find people that are all about webinars and live streaming and the power of live video. And there absolutely is so much power in that. Then you find this other group of folks, right, that are directors of photography and they never do anything unless they've got a gaffer on set and they've got everything that they need to create incredibly, you know, powerful moving images and, and you know, powerful stories. Uh, uh, and then you've got folks that run around with their iPhone and they're doing something completely different and they're, you know, doing things like this podcast that you can just produce, you know, just right here from your computer. And all of this is video, and so it gets put into one bucket. But the truth is there is all of these ecosystems, and all of them are really powerful. And I think, you know, it's been alluded to in your other tectonic shifts, but there is a real need for, um, for transparency and for accountability and authenticity. And video gives you the opportunity to make kind of an authentic connection with another human. Yeah. Uh, because what you're doing is you're taking all of those little nuances of how we communicate and how we've evolved to communicate and you're bottling it up and you're putting it right in front of someone. So you could put this media in front of someone that I've never met before and they're going to be able to evaluate, you know, whether or not what I'm saying is true or false or has value or doesn't have value based on a lot of social cues that just end up being in the way that we communicate. And so video is a really powerful tool to do that because, you know, we work really hard to read the written language. But we have evolved to very quickly discern things based on what we see and what we hear. And so I really see video as the ultimate opportunity to take a shortcut into someone's mind. We're gonna bypass all of this hard work that we do to gain information, and we're gonna go right to the evolutionary center of the way that you absorb things. And so that is true just in all of the nonverbal communication and being able to see someone's face but it's also extremely true in the way that we communicate around stories. So that's another one where sometimes when you talk about video, some people are gonna think that you're talking about stories and other people are gonna use video for a way that's not story related. Yeah. So there's a real opportunity to use stories. Uh, so something I've been doing on video production daily is I've been interviewing different video producers 
that create media for different uh, markets, right? So someone who's really focused on e-commerce and how do you drive sales online? Someone else is just completely focused on education and how do you maintain people's attention and get them to subscribe to your YouTube channel? And somebody else that is focused on raising money for nonprofits and selling in, you know, telling emotionally compelling stories that are gonna get you to connect with the cause. And what's fascinating is all of them use storytelling and theme structures, but they all use them differently based on what they're trying to do. So I think that video is a lightning bolt, it's powerful, but it's one of those things where there's so much nuance into what you can do with video. So you have to have an appropriate strategy wrapped around the technology in order to make the impact that you need to make on an audience. So that's kind of my rambling as far as, yeah, video, is a, video is, a, is a big deal, uh, but it's a lot of different things. Tell me, tell me some stories. Can you think of, of some stories that you've seen in your career where video has been used to transform businesses or their marketing efforts? I can give you stories. So let me give you, let me give you one quick story. Um, I was producing a piece of media for a major brand and it ended up being kind of the cornerstone of someone's marketing efforts for a prolonged period of time. And we really poured our soul into it. And it was a customer success profile, right? And so it's got this beautiful B-roll, this really intriguing music, the cinematography was gorgeous. Everything was shot, you know, at the highest level that you would assume it would be shot if you were, you know, trying to create a piece of media to represent a brand and you had unlimited budget. And so when you have those unlimited budgets, you really feel like you want to make an unlimited impact. And it's devastating. If that gets released into the wild, you come back, you look at the analytics and you realize that it was a complete dud. So I've experienced that in my career and it's like the most devastating thing ever. The customer says, hey, we have an unlimited budget. You go create a production. Then you come back six months later and you view it on YouTube and you realize, well, they've never got a return on that investment because I created this media, but it wasn't audience centric. It was brand centric. So you always have to think about how do you map the empathy, you know, have empathy for your audience. Why are they coming to your brand? Not what is the message that you want to share with your audience, but what, what message does your audience want to share from you? So that is, uh, that is a lesson that I've learned by having my nose bloody just too many times. And it is amazing that you can sit down in a review with a client and show them a piece of media that you've created and they can absolutely love it. And they can be thrilled with the production value, the shots, how it represents the brand, and then it can just fall flat with their audience. So that's the kind of strategy that I always stress. Like, you know, you have to have that audience empathy and you really have to think about how you're using video. And the easiest way to do that is to start with the low production value content and just create a ton of it and eventually find what it is your audience is looking for and then you know decide where to put your scale where to put your production value and then all of that can can lead to better results for the brand so the, the first one you, you mentioned was live video what are what are your thoughts about how that's been done well or not done well and and anything you've seen specifically as a video producer live video can be really frustrating because you're stuck with what you can pull together because time is going to pass linearly and you're going to make those decisions about what camera to select or how to mix the audio, when to add in music, and then it's out the door. So there's no opportunity for revisions really. You can come in with a great plan, but you have to execute that plan and put it out there. It's hard to make live video as great of an experience as you can video on demand 
but live video has this hidden advantage and that is it's live yeah tell people it's live you're forced into authenticity if your presenter has a problem everyone's going to see the problem and so people tune in and they will stay connected for that reason i mean not just to watch the presenter fail they might be doing that but more specifically because their opportunity to consume the content is disappearing moment by moment. So to really harness the power of live video, you've got to put it out there live. Uh, and to the extent that people don't know that it's available on demand, that usually ends up being an advantage. But of course you can take that live video, you can record it, you can put it up on demand and you're going to get value out of that also, but you're going to have a different engagement experience because people view live video like they view a meeting, right? Something that you watch moment to moment as, as it progresses. So right. there are massive opportunities in live video because it's an opportunity to get people to assemble digitally. Uh, it, it also allows you to close this loop between you and your audience that is really hard to close. So it's difficult when you just ship something out into the world and people watch it on YouTube. I mean, you can mine the comments for valuable feedback. It's hard to find. But when you're doing something live, you know, you can utilize any instant messenger really. And hopefully the platform you're using has the ability to take feedback from the audience and you can immediately close that loop, allow the feedback that people are giving you through polls or through chat to affect exactly what you're doing in, in the live experience. So there's another added benefit for anybody who's attending live, right? That they get the opportunity to close that loop and to see two-way communication happening, even though it might be a one-to-many live video experience. Okay, I love that. Those are some really good points. Um, one of the keys of digital marketing, as you know, is urgency, is creating that urgency. And I'd never made that connection before that one of the benefits of live streaming is the inherent urgency that it creates. Yeah, especially if you put a little bit of marketing muscle behind it, right? If, you, if it's your digital experience, your event, your, your live event replacement, right? Your, your in-person event replacement and it's live. Uh, and people see it on their calendars as a scheduled webinar or something that is coming up. Um, you're gonna probably have a lot more success in getting people's eyeballs on it in that live moment and getting them to watch through the duration than if you publish on demand. So you might publish on demand and see a huge spike in viewers, right? So say you get 100 people to your live event and you get 500 people to watch it on demand. The curious thing is, you know, and every situation is a little bit different, but I suspect that if you dig into the analytics, you're gonna see better follow through for the full event when it was live than on demand. My suspicion is people who view a live event on demand are gonna watch it for a few seconds, think about maybe coming back and watching it later. They'll scrub through, they'll find the piece that they were interested in, they'll watch that, and then they'll abandon. So you just don't get the opportunity to put all of your ideas in front of your audience if the live event is not actually live. And, and really, if you're gonna have empathy for your audience and you're going to use a live event on demand, you really should cut it up. You should use the opportunity to have empathy for your audience and compress it and think about, okay, we just did a one hour live event. How can I compress this into 15 minutes for my audience and give them the most valuable stuff? Love it. Okay, talk to me about video products where someone has taken the video and that video is actually the product or service that is being sold. Do you, any secrets or, or stories related to that? You know what, this is something I'm trying to figure out myself right now. So I have a lot of experience using video to draw eyeballs in to sell ideas. 
And oftentimes what I'm thinking about is how do I take someone from where they are, from thinking and understanding one thing to thinking and understanding something else. So if someone wants to take that journey and there's something that they want to uh, incorporate into their life and you create like a digital course or something with that video, then, you know, hypothetically, I've heard that you can sell that stuff and put it in front of them and help them make that transition. So I think that's a huge opportunity. It's just outside of my real area of expertise. Although I am experimenting rapidly in that, in that environment, I've created a digital course at mastersofengagement.com and it really helps people understand how to use video to engage an audience and how to have empathy and what are the different elements of engagement that you can utilize in video to have an impact on an audience. So it's, it's really targeted towards people who are already creating video that want to know how to create it well. Um, but I am so young in trying to figure out how to monetize that content and get it in front of more people. So I don't know that I'm the expert you want to ask that to. But I do know that video is a really powerful tool for helping people make mental transitions. And people want to make mental transitions. So that, I'm, I'm assuming, is what you can monetize. Yeah, that's right. Are there a couple of the key secrets or takeaways from that Masters of Engagement course that you'd want to share? We could plug that a little bit, give them a little sneak peek. Yeah, let me drop you a file. It's so funny because I have gone through multiple elements of engagement and how to engage an audience. And, you know, you kind of have to be vulnerable when using video and be human. One of the principles of engagement is the principle of dance. And when I talk about dance, it's not so much about actually dancing on camera, although I think TikTok has kind of proved that that's a, that's a real phenomenon, that people do actually want to watch you dance. But what I mean more is, you know, if you know that you're about to go and dance in front of an audience, you get this kind of feeling in your gut of being uncomfortable. And that feeling you need to incorporate in your productions to really make sure that you're being authentic enough and you're putting yourself out there enough that it's going to connect with people. And so I have a whole episode within that course about dancing and, and I lead it off with me dancing in the video. I'm a terrible dancer, right? But uh, there's this whole sequence of me busting a move. And it's funny, people will go through the course, I'll know people that are in the course, and without fail, when they come back to give me feedback, it's after they've been through that dancing episode. And they just, you know, hey, it was great to watch you do your best to, you know, cut a rug and, and loosen up a little bit. And uh, so that's always fun to hear that kind of feedback. But that is that is something that I learned is, it just really needs to be authentic. You got to talk about the real problems and the real opportunities. Masters of Engagement is really about defining the opportunities. It doesn't really provide you with the solution, right? But if I can think about, well, what can I do to make myself a little bit more uncomfortable and be more authentic? Then, you know, your brain will fill in the, uh, the fill in the blank. Yeah. And, uh, the word that comes to my mind is vulnerable, right? You were vulnerable yeah. when you danced in front of those people on that video and, and uh, you could be made fun of, but you found that it turned out to be a situation where it engaged and, and built the relationship. So the, the power of vulnerability. Okay. Yeah, it's huge because it gives you, uh, one, it allows your audience to enjoy it because dance is kind of fun. But the other thing is you're right. The vulnerability creates authenticity, which people crave. Uh, I'd love to ask you about calls to action really quick. Um, any tips or stories that you think have been particularly effective with calls to action going from a video to whatever action the company is wanting the audience to take? 
Well, that is an example of something that is easy to make nebulous and you just have to simplify it. Too often in video, we rely too heavily on metaphor or too heavily on story. If you want your audience to take a really clear action, then you need to really clearly articulate what that is. So simplicity goes a long way when making a powerful call to action. Um, don't hide the call to action in the metaphor. If you want people to take a specific action, you need to tell them specifically what it is. So that can be something that um, people can be afraid of because it feels salesy. But um, rather than salesy, I see it as an opportunity for clarity. And it's interesting too, because if you have been telling a story, you've got to find the right person to extend that call to action. And it's not always the hero. It's not always the mentor. It's going to depend on your story. Um, but if you really are looking to co-opt your audience into your movement, then I believe you need a simple call to action that is metaphor free. Yep. So a lot of times we're, when you're creating something very thematic, uh, you're, what you're trying to do is just align what you're, what you're really doing is you're putting a magnet out there to find your audience and find people that also feel the same way about the theme. Um, and so that can be a call to action of its own to, to align yourself with us. But, you know, if joining the mailing list is at the end of that, uh, hey, if you're aligned with us, then you need to join the mailing list, right? So when it comes time for the call to action, that's often the time to abandon the metaphor and abandon the... Uh, teasing and just get right to leveraging simplicity and directness. All of the, what you have going on, thanks for making time for us today. Very great. Very happy to do it. Thank you so much, Luke, for sharing your video marketing stories and secrets with us. Here's some of the key takeaways that stood out to me from this episode. Number one, we need to open engagement loops in our storytelling and then reward the audience by closing those loops. Number two, when we close a loop, we need to immediately open the next loop to keep our audience engaged and reduce abandonment. Number three, without conflict, we don't have a story. Number four, the four steps to discover and leverage conflict in a story are, number one, find the shared enemy. Number two, tell the story of overcoming. Three, create a hero. And four, be the mentor. The fifth key takeaway from this episode is our video marketing should be aligned with the problems our ideal customers want to solve. Number six, we should not ask what message we want to share with our audience, but instead we should ask what message our audience wants us to share with them. Number seven, the best way to avoid making expensive videos that don't resonate with our customers is to create a ton of low cost content and then focus on creating more of the content that does the best. Number eight, there is a hidden advantage of live video. It is, because it is live, we are forced into authenticity and urgency. Number nine, vulnerability creates authenticity, which people crave. Number 10, simplicity and clarity go a long way when making a powerful call to action. To learn more about Luke and his video strategy consulting and education, please visit the blog for this episode for links to Luke's LinkedIn page and consulting site. Do you like this episode? If so, please go to monetizationnation.com and subscribe for free to receive more great monetization content delivered to your inbox. If we desire monetization we have never before achieved, we must leverage strategies we have never before implemented. I challenge each of us to pick one thing that resonated with us from today's episode and schedule a time this week to implement it to help achieve our monetization goals. What video marketing stories and secrets could you share? 
Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.